Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone. You know, that song just reaches deep into your soul, doesn't it? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Let's go to God with the word of prayer, and then we are going to uh, jump into our message. Part two of our soul food, soul searching uh, section. Uh, Let's go to God with the word of prayer. And then we're going to jump right into this. God in heaven, Father, we are so grateful uh, for a beautiful day uh, to come before you to worship with our brothers and sisters, friends, families, and neighbors. And God, we ask that you will bless this time in your word, that you will open wide our hearts and open wide our minds. And God, we pray that you'll help us to leave here with a pleasant response uh, to you graciously reaching out to us. And uh, God, we're so grateful for every opportunity you give us to become more like your son and to receive the free gift of of faith and salvation. And we pray, God, that uh, we will grow more more like him each day and that you'll help us to never forget the sacrifice made for us on the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Last week, we started to do some soul searching. And I told you that this week we would come back with part two. So soul searching part two. We looked at the conditions of two types of souls, the hardened soul and the shallow soul. And today I'd like to look at two more souls, the cluttered soul and the productive soul. Let's take a look at the cluttered soul. Before we do that, I do want to remind us uh, again of this quote, the most important thing about us is not what we achieve, it's the person, the people we become. So as we're learning more about the soul, I want to encourage, I want to imprint this on your heart, because sometimes we can, we can get guilted out and think we need to do more, we need to do more. God is more concerned about who you become more than what you achieve in this life. Amen? So let's take a look at the cluttered soul. In Mark chapter 4, Verse 7, as we continue with Jesus' parable of the soils and the sower, it says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant, so that they did not bear grain. Now, anyone who's ever had a garden or just walked down the street, you you see much weed come up, you know. The grass is beautiful, well manicured. And then there's these little eyesores that pop up, the weeds. And anyone that has uh, a plant or had a garden, they would know that weeds are not good. Weeds are the nemesis of the plant. And they, they, they prevent us from having a productive garden. But the difference, the, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that they grow alongside your plants. So it's not like you have much of a choice. Because they grow up right alongside the plants that we plant. So if you're growing a tomato plant or whatever it is, sometimes you don't recognize or realize you have weeds until it's too late. And that can be a problem. And Jesus is saying here that these seeds were sown. God, you know, one of the things that's amazing about God, the sower, is that he doesn't choose which, seed, which soil to plant seeds. He, he put it on every soil. And I think that says a lot about who God is. God doesn't, 
He doesn't select just good soil or just the right soil. He puts it on every type of soil, on every type of heart. He wants everyone to have a chance. And so because they grow alongside the plant, you can't always recognize until they start choking out the plant. Now, Jesus explains the thorns to be the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. Now, here's the thing. There are some things that we may desire that that's not necessarily a bad thing, like wanting to have a, a, a nice apartment or wanting to have another, a nice car. If you're driving a car and is belching black smoke, it's not a bad thing to want to desire a car that's not going to cause everybody around it to drop dead. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's not even a bad thing to want nice clothes or want a nice uh, things in your apartment. Those aren't bad things in and of themselves. But what Jesus is asking, pointing out here, is that the deceitfulness that comes, the, the false sense of security that comes when we pursue these things in such a way that they begin to choke out the word of God in our lives. And so a soul-searching question I believe Jesus would ask us is, what are you worried about? What are you chasing? What things do you desire? And are these things helping you to stay in Christ? Or are they pulling you away from Christ? You know, we need to be honest about these questions because sometimes these things aren't so obvious. Just like the weed growing up with the plant is very subtle. And it takes time. It doesn't happen too quick because before you realize it, a week can go by and you hadn't read your Bible. Now I know for me, if my day does not start with the Lord very early, it's easy for a whole day to go by before I realize, wait a second, I didn't even pray today. It's very easy. It's very subtle. And it's not always bad things. Sometimes there are good things like getting the kids ready for school and fixing breakfast and, and ironing clothes and returning phone calls and returning text messages and returning emails and, and paying bills and all these things that we're supposed to do. But if we're not careful, things can choke out the very word of God in our lives. These things can clutter and choke the soul. You know, someone once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. You know, in World War II, well, let me, do you know why machine guns were invented? They weren't invented with the purpose to kill the enemy. They were invented with the purpose to maim. Because if you can wound a soldier, you actually take two more soldiers out of the fight. That's two soldiers that need to tend to the one. So the purpose is not to kill, it's to maim. In other words, to distract the other soldiers. And so what Satan does is he fills our lives up with a bunch of things. He clutters our soul, which eventually chokes out the word of God. Satan makes us busy. 
by convincing us to put a priority on everything in our lives so that we have a hard time deciding what's important to our souls. And as a result, Jesus gets squeezed out. Work, school, family, we come home, we're tired, and we got to get ready. And, you know, it's, some of us would prefer coming straight from work and going straight to church. Because at least we don't get to go home and see that warm bed calling us, or that couch calling us, or our slippers. Say, don't you want to put me on and just take a chill? Sometimes you wish you got, man, I just want to come straight to church. Because if I go home, I'm not coming out again. Right? But you go home, and all it takes is one person to say, I'm tired. If you're married, oh, I'm so tired. You know what? We can stay home. Or the kids, somebody sneeze. Did somebody sneeze? Oh, I'll stay. No, it's my turn to stay home. No, you stayed home last week. No, it's my turn to stay. No, see, I'm trying to be a good father. He was coughing. He sneezed. Didn't you hear the boy sneeze? It's my turn to stay home. You go to church and bring me some notes. Jesus gets squeezed out. Jesus had to help Martha with this problem in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. (laughs) Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. You know, who knows what those many things were? But let's be honest. I mean, I think the first thing to point out is that what Martha's doing is not bad. I mean, look, I think all of us would run frantic if Jesus said, I'm coming over to your house. We make a beeline to the house. We'd be... Mopping the floors, breaking out the bleach, wiping things down, moving furniture, dusting, you know, painting the apartment. The Lord's coming over, right? Kicking people out. I don't want you to make me look bad in front of Jesus. But Jesus was coming over. And Martha was getting things prepared. And the word says that she was what? distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Let me ask you a question. Did you get a chance to pray this morning before you came to church? Did you get a chance to open the word this morning before you came to church or were you distracted by all the preparation that needed to be done before you came? It happens to me. It happens to us. It's not a bad thing to want to be prepared. 
But you see, what she was doing was good, but it distracted her from what was important. You know, it is important that you get to church on time, but what's more important is that you come with a clear heart and a clear mind, ready and prepared to worship God, to be able to sit at, you can't sit at the feet of Jesus if you're all worked up and upset and uptight. You can't even take communion with a clear conscience. So the most important thing is to get ourselves ready. So what? Your shirt is wrinkled. We wear t-shirts to church anyway. I'd rather you come to church with mismatched pairs of socks with a good heart and a clear mind ready to receive the Lord. Sometimes we get worked up about all the good things that need to happen and we miss the most important. See, the choice Jesus is discussing with Martha is between something that is good and something that is better. And Martha was anxious because her priorities were not in order. Mary's were. And we can have that same Martha mentality. We look at our brothers and sisters and they're all calm and, and we're like, Lord, don't you care? Tell them to help me. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to take away from them. They're at peace because they're sitting at my feet. You're worried about all sorts of things. Don't hate on them. Imitate. Don't hate, imitate, right? Ain't that what we say nowadays? Jesus helps out. He says only one thing is needed. In other words, only one thing truly matters. And Mary chose what was better over what was good. Sitting at his feet to be nourished is better. Mary had her priorities in order, and God commended her for it. Let me ask you a question. What, if any, good thing is keeping you from sitting at the feet of Jesus? Working is a good thing. But is it keeping you from seating, sitting at the feet of Jesus? Going to school, getting your education, getting your degree, those are all good things. All good things. But are they keeping you from sitting at the feet of Jesus? You know, the seed that was sown among thorns, at first it grew and looked like a healthy plant. But then worldly concerns began to choke the life right out of this soul. Very subtle. It doesn't happen blatantly. Good things can slowly choke out the better things in life. You know, when you look at this story, it's clear that worry represents a lack of faith. And doubt in Jesus' ability to take care of us. And I believe that it leaves us saying the same words, Lord, don't you care? When you don't have faith, you're you convinced that Jesus doesn't care about you. See, worry leads to doubt. Worry never leads to faith. Mary had no problem sitting at the feet of Jesus. She didn't care about all the preparation. She's probably, oh, now all of a sudden you want to get the house together? It's like, Jesus is here. I'm not wasting any time. Those dishes can wait. Those things can wait. 
Jesus is here. Who knows how long he will be here? I think sometimes we take that for granted. You know, Jesus didn't stay at any one house for an extended period of time. And so Mary prioritized spending that time with Jesus. Sometimes we take for granted the word being available to us, the help being made available to us. And then we miss that opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, worries of life talks about the seduction of of riches. Mark says that these are the desire for other things. You know, the storage industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Initially, it started off for people who were in transit, who were moving from one place to the next, and they needed some place to store their goods until they found some place. It was meant to be temporary. Now we're paying second rents because we got so many things and we don't have any place to store these things. And so now we got another bill because we got this other building storing our things. Do we need all them things? I looked at my storage unit. There were things in there I forgot was in there. It convicted me. I'm like, do we need all this stuff? You get worried about things. Pursuing more things. I remember buying things thinking I didn't have any brand new pack in the the cabinet. You just think you need things. And the soul, we know these souls can be around the kingdom of God for a long time. But they don't produce fruit. And, And that's the interesting thing about this is that they grow up. But they don't produce fruit, and over time they start to develop an unhealthy desire for worldly things. Their desires become an obsession, and it starts to replace the most important thing, which will ultimately choke them out if they're not taken out of their lives. Again, good things are not bad when kept in proper perspective. We got to make sure our orders, our priorities are in order. God should always come first. That should not even be a, a, you know, when you're doing your to-do list, there should be a page that's just printed, God. Spend time with God, God. And then everything else changes. That should be a fixed point on our to-do list. God and then everything else falls under that. Instead of trying to figure out how to put God in, how to plug God in. It will choke your life. It will choke the very word out of you. The soul is preoccupied when it's in this, in this state. The cluttered soul has a duplicitous heart. They have no single focus or purpose. They're scattered. And Jesus says that that type of soul cannot bear fruit to his glory. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, John 15 I know it got a little quiet in here, but that's all right. I was convicted too. John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I don't know about you, but that scares me. That scares me. 
While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You get that? Every branch that does produce, God makes more fruitful. But there's a pruning process, meaning that there are things that need to be cut out or cut off. You know, that's, that right there should set us up to win right here. Because if we want our lives to be more fruitful, then there needs to be some pruning going on. And that can't just be on us. we got to pray and ask God to prune the things in our lives that will help us to be more productive for him. But brace yourself. Brace yourself. Let me tell you, if you really want to be productive for God, God will answer that prayer. He says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't be productive for God apart from him. We can't produce the type of life and character that Jesus wants apart from him. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, this is what Mary chose. She chose to remain in him. And our souls long to be connected to the vine. Our souls long to be connected to Jesus. When we are connected to Jesus and we're growing, it will be seen in our lives and in our character. What are some of those fruits? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look over in Galatians 5, verse 22. You know, the Bible says in our earlier verses, in verses 19 through 20, that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Therefore, the acts of a spiritual nature are also obvious. And so someone who is in Christ, who's connected to Christ, you will see these fruits in their lives. In verse 22, it says, uh, says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I don't know about you, but I like to be more loving. I like to be more joyful. I like to have more peace in my life. No matter what's going on in the economy or what's going on around me, I like to be more at peace. I like to be... More kind to people who are mean to me, who are unfriendly, who are rude. I'd like to be a good person. I want to be faithful, a man of my words and not unfaithful. I want to keep my promises. And I'd like to be gentle with people who are not very gentle. And I absolutely would like to have more self-control. Does that, does that not sound good to you? I mean, we like to see these qualities in other people, don't we? I mean, who, who wouldn't want a friend 
that's loving. Who wouldn't want a friend that's joyful? Who wouldn't want to hang out with someone who's at peace? You know, most of the time, we avoid people who are always talking about problems. That's not fun. I'm like, dude, you're bringing me down. I was, pra- I was, you know, I was joyful until we sat down, and it's like, man, I mean, can we talk about something? Is, is, is there anything good going on in your life? Patience. You know, especially when we're messing up, who wouldn't want to be a patient, a, a patient person? Imagine if your bosses were patient. Your children, your spouse. I mean, who wouldn't want more patient people in their lives? How about kindness? I know the sisters would love if every brother opened the door for them when they came in. Or even better, if their husbands opened the door, let them in the car, let them out the car. I think I hit something right there. You know, I know for me, what helps me, what helps me get into the spirit of evangelism is when I practice kindness. A simple hello. I practice it on the way here. Two guys were coming down. I said, hello, how you doing? And they, they were like, oh, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, people in New York don't expect that. Now, in the South, everybody says hello. But then they keep talking, and it's like, all right, I got to go. You know, it's like. But we could use a little more kindness around here, right? I mean, goodness gracious, goodness? Wouldn't you want good neighbors? I mean, Lord, I just had some neighbors that had to get evicted in my building, and I'm thinking, man, it was like, you know, the poor, I felt bad for my landlord. And I I felt good that he was able to point to my wife and I as good neighbors. Because one of the neighbors who lived next to the the family that had to get evicted, the woman was like, I'm moving. And he said, please, don't move. We have good neighbors in this building. The Warrens downstairs. I was like, preach. But it felt good. It felt good. I'm not even going to lie. For to be pointed out as a good neighbor, that felt good. I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. Faithfulness. You can't tell me that you wouldn't want to be with a faithful person. Who wouldn't want that? Gentleness. Self-control. These are all great things. You know, these nine fruits are the results of remaining in Jesus. Because he said, apart from me, you can bear no fruit. You can't even share your faith effectively apart from Jesus. You can't produce any kind of fruit apart from him. We got to stay in Jesus. We got to stay connected to him. You know, it's also evidence that we're connected to each other because Jesus is divine and they're branches. It's not just one branch. They're branches on this vine. And when we're connected to Jesus, we're connected to one another. And we thrive when we're connected to each other. What happens if you took a branch off the vine? It will wither and die. There are other branches connected to that vine. And we get to grow up together. Our souls are dependent on that. Ask yourself this soul-searching question. 
Are there other things drawing your attention from Jesus? Do you have seduction? Are you being seduced by riches and worries of this life? You know, that's an honest question because here's the thing about greed. Greed is not always so obvious. Ask yourself the last time someone ever confessed greed to you. Or the last time you confessed greed to someone else. It's a heart problem. It's a heart issue. It's a desire that can subtly take over. And it can run as deep to the bottom of our soul. You can be greedy and not even realize you're being greedy. And that's why we got to stay connected because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit lets us know that's enough. That's enough. Or you don't need that. When we're connected to God, the Holy Spirit helps us out. But see, the soul has this constant anxiety about worldly affairs when it's cluttered. And when the word is being choked out, it stops growing, it stops being productive for God. You know, we need to ask ourselves if we've been stung by the desire for other things. You know, I know myself, I have to fight those desires. Every late, the, the latest technology, you know, at one point I thought, you know, maybe I'll switch back to the iPhone until I found out that the new one's going to cost $1,000. I said, there you go, right there. Curb that desire. Curbed it right on down. I mean, but we can, you know, we can, and look, hear me here, hear me here. If you want to get, you want to go buy an Apple Watch, you want to buy a Samsung, it's all good if you can afford it. It's all good. But you don't need five. Is what I'm saying. You don't need to chase after, you don't need to work overtime just so you can buy it. Those are the things that can really get in there and, 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 and corrupt our hearts. Paul warns us in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 3. He says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or if any kind of impurity or of greed. Paul says there should not be a hint of greed. A hint. Now we focus a lot on not being a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, but what about greed? What about greed? He said, because these are improper for God's holy people. Would you take a hand-me-down before going to Macy's? If a brother got an extra jacket, would you take that over going to the store buying your own? Do those shoes have to be brand new or could you go to a thrift store? I got a closet full of ties. I'm like, I only got one neck. I can't wear them all at the same time. That would look crazy. Y'all think I was on drugs or something. If I walked in here with all the ties that I own, I don't need all those ties. I like them. Brothers need a tie? Come see me. You know, we can benefit off of the generosity of each other. It's like, man, I got a, you know, I got a coat. I don't wear the coat. Their brother that would take it. Save you 50 bucks, save you 100 bucks, who knows? But that's a way we can curb greed in our lives. In 1 Timothy 6, 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10, people 
who want to get rich will fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Again, the love of money, not money itself. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of money. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. People were leaving God to pursue money and have pierced themselves with many griefs. It's like our friend Gollum right here. His life totally changed because he was obsessed with his precious. You know, the Bible has another way of saying that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's most precious to you? Paul says that greed shouldn't be even mentioned among us. He said it shouldn't be there. And this cluttered soul will do anything to get what it wants or feel it deserves. You know, there was this uh, research done by a social psychologist named Paul Piff. And he did this TED Talk on the effects of greed on the mind. Listen to what he says here. He says, a person's level of wealth increase, as a person's level of wealth increase, their feelings of compassion and empathy go down. And their feelings of entitlement, of deservingness, and their ideology of self-interest increases. He even did a test on wealthy drivers, people who are driving expensive cars, versus people who are driving inexpensive cars. The test showed that the people who were driving expensive cars did not stop for pedestrians as they were coming across the street. But everyone who was driving a cheap car stopped for a pedestrian across the street. Wealth and greed impacts the way we think, and God knows it. God knows it. If it can get to a person's heart and corrupt their soul, they will think that they're above the world. And they will act like it because it's in them. And this is why it's so dangerous. This is why we got to be aware of this. This is why we got to clear our hearts of the clutter and focus on what really matters. What is better? But there is good news. The good news is that we can be productive souls. As in Jesus mentions in Mark 4, verse 8, still other, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop multiplying 36, 30, 60, and even 100 times. You can become a productive soul today. It doesn't have to take a long time. As we mentioned at the first souls, the hardened soul, all it takes is one soft spot. One soft spot in that hardened shell. And God's seed can take root. The same thing with the clutter. All you got to do is take out the clutter. Let God prune your life. Let God cut out the things that's cluttering your soul. You know, Jesus speaks of this soul and he, he describes it as the one who hears the word of God, who accepts it and responds. They don't just hear it and say, wow, that was interesting, that was great, they respond to it. And so God's word takes root in their lives. Now you notice something here. Jesus does not 
called the good, call it, call it good soil because of how much he produced. He called it good soil because it produced something, period. I think sometimes we can get caught up on how much we produce or discouraged because of we don't produce as much as we used to or what we think is expected of us. That's not what Jesus said was good soil. You see the difference? He said it 60, 30, 100 times. We're not all going to produce the same thing for God. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to produce as much as you. You're not going to produce as much as me. But that's fine as long as we produce something for God. As long as we produce something. You see, it's the productivity of the soul, the good soil, that's connected to Jesus. And when you look at it, this soil and this soul is also connected to perseverance. None of the other souls persevered. When the sun came out and things got hot, the shallow soil withered. When it was hard, when, when there were hurts and there were wounds, the hardened soil clammed up, hid behind a shell. It didn't persevere long enough to be healed. The truth of the matter is, time does not heal all wounds. There has to be an active pursuit to healing. You think about that, the, the, the man who was crippled by the, by the pool, and Jesus asked him, how long have you been like this? He said, for 40 years. It's been a long time. And he needed to be healed. There's some of us been carrying around hurts and wounds for a long time. Aren't you ready to be healed? You see, if something is healthy, it will grow. And it will produce. And the same thing goes for our soul. The rocky soil, the rocky soil produced only a brief growth spurt, while the soul with thorns and clutter produces growth that was eventually choked out. But nothing prevents the growth of seed in good soil. You know, this is the soul that God wants us to be. But we got to persevere. We got to allow God's word to take root and make the proper changes in our lives. You got to fight to stay connected to Jesus. You got to fight to stay clutter free in your life. And that means making some tough choices. You know, there are times where I'm asked to do things that i got to say no. Because I, I can't have my life cluttered, even with good things. You know, my wife and I, we were asked to do a marriage retreat in L.A., and we were looking at our schedule, and I was willing. You know, I was willing to do it, but then I'm thinking, you know, we were like, we got a lot going on, and we don't want to be away from our kids. That is the better thing. It was good to go and encourage the church in L.A., but the better thing was to stay home with our kids. That's what I'm talking about, choosing what's better over what is good. Sometimes even the good things can clutter up our lives. You know, it's going to take having a soft heart coming out of our shells. It's going to take having depth, like we talked about last week, so that God's word can deep, Dig deep into the root of our souls, reaching the very depths of our souls. It's also going to take space. 
We got to clear up enough room in our hearts for God. The Bible says that a prideful man has no room in his heart for the Lord. If God's word is going to produce something, we got to make room for him in our lives. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, it takes priority, has to take priority over every other good thing in our lives. You know, the Jesus that we meet in the Gospels cannot be understood until we begin to act on his very word. We reach maturity, and then we're able to give back to God and to his kingdom. You know, as we close, I want to remind you that it's important to note that you have, we may have one of three of these in, uh, uh, unfruitful souls. I don't know where you're at this morning. But I want to encourage you, you can become a good soul today. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take a whole lot. It took one decision, and Mary chose what was best. I want to encourage you to do the same. To God be the glory.